Thank you for tuning in to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast brought to you by the Denver Chop House. Located at 19th and Wine Coop. Visit the Chop House before, after, probably even during a Rockies game. Grab a steak, one of their fine brewed craft beers. Or maybe you just want to have a little brunch on Sunday. No matter the excuse, find a reason to get to the Denver Chop House. They love us. We love you. Now enjoy the show. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. Hey, what's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We are live at Jake's Food and Spirits at 3800 Walnut Street, of course, enjoying their Tuesday two-for-one specials down here drinking a, a nice Titan IPA with me, as always, the king of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everyone? Uh, just enjoying a nice cutthroat porter. It's very nice. Uh, Two-for-one is one of the best things that Jake does. Jake's does, not Jake. Like Still he's a real person. Jake. Still haven't met that. <laughs> And uh, we have a special guest this evening, Nathan. Yes, one Andrew Feinstein is joining us from DenverStiffs.com, the big stiff himself. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. This is a somber night. Usually we're uh, talking basketball, Nuggets basketball, I should say, at least a couple more weeks from now before we flame yeah. out in the first round. This, this one's ending early. <laughs> this one's... It is indeed. <laughs> it says I haven't felt this feeling since 2003. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe it's been 11 years. Yeah, not a good record. Thirty six and forty four. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> no. Didn't see that coming. No. I had them pegged for. I don't think I should remember. I think I had them pegged for like the forty six, forty seven ish range, and I thought they'd fall somewhere seven or eight. And uh, I, you know, I think that I know they've had lots of injuries, but I think even by most objective measures, uh, you could argue that uh, they they probably blew ten more games than they should have. Yeah. Before we before we dive into serious Nuggets talk, how have you guys been? It's good, good, Nate. It's good to see. It's good to see you guys. I didn't see you much this season. We don't. We were we were distant souls this year. We've uh, this is our third Stiffs podcast. I think basically Stiffs podcast. Yeah. But you know, this is how we get together. We get together on Stiffs nights outts and uh, Colorado Sports Guys podcasts. Have you been out of the country, Andy? You're almost always out of the country. No, I've been around. (laughs) I went to I went to uh, I went to Nairobi for a week in January, Uh, but that was my only big trip. I just you know work is all consuming. you know, the various businesses that I'm very fortunate to be involved in take up a lot of time. And, but the nice thing is, is I get to text with you guys all the time. You know, every night, it's like one of those commercials. <laughs> yeah. my, my girlfriend is always like, who are you texting? Are you texting a girl? It's like, no, I'm texting Nate and Jeff. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get these texts from, you, for the listeners out there, you have no idea what it's like. I get texts from these two well until one in the morning. And it, Jeff's usually pitching us on a conspiracy theory that he heard in the locker room. Uh, Nate's usually pitching something that he's hearing from his sources that has nothing to do with what Jeff is doing. And I'm usually telling the two of them why they can't possibly be true, but I don't really know what I'm talking about because I'm not the one in the locker room. So. Well, we, uh, we, <laughs> That's about right. The moral of this story is we like to talk. Yes. Yeah. Via, via text is basically that. And we did have, what was it, a couple weeks ago, I, I was receiving feverish, feverish text message from you both about the New York Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Yes. The Atlanta Hawks are screwing us. I don't know us. how feverish it was. 
They were fevered. There was exclamation points. There was uh, ellipses all over the place. I was convinced. It's, a, it's remarkable. And what's really unfortunate about the whole thing, yes, the Knicks are going to miss the playoffs, which is a good thing, but the Hawks gave them hope. I mean, the Hawks lost. What did they lose? 14 of 17 games or some insane. They an epic yeah, Had the Hawks yeah. just won a half of those, third of those, the Knicks would have had no hope. They would have had a worse record than they have now. Yep. And the, and, and the Nuggets would have had a better chance at a top three pick. So I'm really pissed off at the Hawks because they, they, they not only did they almost give me a heart attack, but they gave the Knicks hope. Yeah, they blame Danny Ferry. <laughs> For just lo- intentionally trying to lose games. But this is the first time I just read. This is the first time, I think, in NBA history that the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Knicks are going to miss the playoffs. That's yeah, pretty that's incredible crazy. when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, since I mean, Boston and New York have basically every title between them, right? Like 40 titles or 50 Boston, or Well, the Celtics have uh, 17, and the Lakers as a franchise, I think, have 16. Yeah. And so combined, that's 33, and there's only been 60-something, you know, 65-something NBA championships. So, and the Knicks managed to squeeze in two in the early right. 70s. So but between uh, the, Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers and the Celtics, between victories and participation, in the NBA Finals, they've essentially participated in almost half of all the NBA Finals ever. Yeah. The Lakers or the Celtics have been represented. Yeah. That's crazy. Let's say how many were they? I mean, they were in all eight in the uh, – either one of them was involved in eight in the 80s, right? Magic Johnson went to nine. He went to nine. That's Larry, right. Bird well, yeah, but, to, but, Larry Bird went to five. <clears throat> uh, okay, so – oh, my God. So if we're it's looking amazing. at uh, – we're looking at standings. We're looking at where the Nuggets may finish in this thing. Um, so there's New York, 35 wins. Not going to be any better. Oh, they're about to get 36 here. They're about to get 36, which is going to be you know the same record as Denver, 36 and 44. You have Minnesota and Phoenix, the only two teams. I guess I forgot about you'd that. Say name. Worse you're right. You're or right. So, so, so Phoenix will be 14, and, and Minnesota will be 13. Right. So then, if we're if we're looking at it that way, the Nuggets likely will have. The 12th pick and the 11th pick. And those draft odds, at, at getting the top three, the best they can do is like a 1.6% chance. See, this chance is why I'm so pissed. The, the Nuggets just don't know how to tank. As Jeff said a couple weeks ago, you never yeah. outsource your tanking to the Knicks. Yeah. Because the Nuggets should have been worse than the Pelicans. They should have been worse than the Cavaliers. And they should have been worse than the Pistons. If the Cavaliers and the Pistons weren't so goddamn awful... The Nuggets would easily have had a couple more slots up there. Well, I mean, the, 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 the ample time to just, like, kind of stop caring or at least give up some wins would have been after J.J. Hickson went down and, you know, and then Chandler, actually, Wilson Chandler went down the same game. So that would have been oppor- ample opportunity to do that. And then they ended up losing some and winning some, which has been, this, the, the, like, the moral of this, this what, year. What, you, what you know? do you think of, Jeff, what do you think of Cleveland mortgaging their entire future to make the playoffs this year by getting Spencer Haas, by getting Luol Deng, and trading away whatever they needed to get to get those guys, future picks, whatever, and they're not going to even come close. Oh, that's, <laughs> is you, Mike Brown the worst coach? Oh, wait, he, you know, he might be a Stiffy Award winner. We'll get to I that. Think he I he think he is. He might actually be a Stiffy Award I, I, winner. I will tell you this. That could be the worst run organization in professional sports. Worse than the Wizards and worse the Knicks? The it can't be worse than the Knicks. Oh, they're worse than the Knicks. The, the, you don't do that. I mean, the, I mean during the season. I mean, that's insane. And plus, Kyrie Irving now wants out. So how, I mean, how, could the, how could the Nuggets have gotten worse? Like, what would you want to see them do, Andy? How could we have? Yeah. Oh, I mean, how, how could we have tanked our way to the If the Nuggets here? are going to tank, they would have had to do you it. You know, I, I say that, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually joking. Uh, I think the Nuggets deserve credit because when the time came to tank, and they did tank, by the way. I mean, they, they sat Ty Lawson. 
They sat Wilson Chandler. You're telling me those guys wouldn't have played if uh, a, a three or four seed is on the line? Come on. So That's they true. actually did tank. And yeah. I think that to Brian Shaw's credit, which is why he got a C in my report card and not a D, to Brian Shaw's credit, he was able to figure something out in these last 10, 15 games. And they actually played with a lot of fight. And if the Nuggets yeah. of the last 15 games – um, uh, the Nuggets of the first 15 games, their first 35 games, we should say, played with the fight of the Nuggets of the last 15 games. Maybe we are talking about an eight seed and not a playoff miss. I got to tell you, this is the weird, one of the weirdest Nugget seasons I've ever watched. Just all the things that have gone on since last off season has just been a series of bizarre events. You know what else is weird? You know what else is weird is the fans aren't rioting in the streets. No, George Carl and I. Hey. You know, guilty as charged. I launched a website to fire the poor guy, and they won 50 games and made the playoffs. No, I mean, with, <laughs> with the exception of just a few lone voices in the wilderness, I don't sense that the fans are all that pissed off at Brian Shaw or the organization. They're kind of like, well, look, we, it's a transition year, and, you know, there's a, there's a sense of optimism for the future. It's, a, it's remarkable to me. Is I mean, all the season ticket holders I know, and including myself, we renewed. Yeah. Is there a sense, though, that next season that this team is going to be better? Like, is it a no-brainer? I, I don't know how it could get worse than this year. This was a bad year. I mean, you can't sugarcoat it. There's different kinds of – there's different levels of how what – what the end game you think is going to be because there's people who think, well, the Nuggets' existing talent isn't is, – is like, isn't enough. So it's pointless, you know, to have a better record next year because we don't believe in their talent. Then there's the other side that says, well, the Nuggets won 57 games with – a lot of the same talent, not all of the same, but a lot of the same. And they think, well, just by a natural os- osmosis, they will get better. So, you know, there's a lot of different fans that are on that late, but the, none of them are discouraged, I don't believe. So let's say, what do you guys see next year as far as roster turnover? Do you think there's going to be a lot of changes, or do you think there's going to be status quo? They roll with the same, same bunch of merry misfits, as Ross Martin would, would once say. Merry misfits. The problem is the guys that are tradable are the guys I don't think anybody at this table wants to trade. Yeah. You know, I don't think you want to lose Ty Lawson. I don't think you want to lose Kenneth Farid. And I don't think you want to lose Danilo Gallinari. I know Jeff doesn't. No. And uh, I'm personally invested in that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I ran, into him, I ran into him in the hallway uh, during the 20th anniversary night, and he looks fantastic. He looks thin. He looks fit. I, and we had a nice chat. He's anxious to get back. And. Uh, he looked great. Just yep. FYI, I, I texted you and told you how great he looked. Yeah, well, he's. Um, he's but uh, uh, I don't. Think I mean, what sucker out there is going to take Nate Robinson or JJ Hickson or Randy Ford? They've already played for every team. There's no one left to trade them to. <laughs> the Nuggets' the biggest tradable, tradable assets are they only have two real movable assets, and one of them would be difficult, and that's Fareed. But then the other one is Wilson Chandler. Those are the two only ones I can think of. Ty. Yeah, maybe Ty, but... Ty's pretty nice little asset. JaVale McGee, probably not. Well, I mean, uh, but I I don't anticipate the Nuggets moving Ty. No, I think Ty Lawson's a... uh, I mean, I I, I laugh a little bit when people talk about him being an all-star point guard and a guy like Goran Dragic doesn't make the all-star team. Um, you know, I laugh a little bit. I don't, I don't think Ty Lawson's an all-star. But then again, I looked up his stats, second in the NBA in assists and, and uh, averaged almost 18 points a game. The problem I have with Ty Lawson, as I wrote about in my grade column on Sunday, 
They didn't win 50% of their games with him. So, yeah, you know, how do you claim all-star status when you don't win 50% of your games? I've always, my biggest complaint about Ty has always been he doesn't seem to affect the winning as much as I think he should. Um, and he still goes through periods where he's not aggressive and all that stuff. But, I mean, you can't have an all-star point guard completely disappear in games. I mean, completely disappear. And that's always bothered me. But, you know, at the same time, he's markedly improved this year. And they're going to have a hard time justifying moving him. Well, they're going to have a hard, hard time justifying moving Fareed, too. I mean, there's there's just not a lot of movement available, I don't Yeah, I think the fans that. are thinking that, <clears throat> look, we, we, all three of us personally love Tim Connolly. We think that, yeah. you know, I hope he has an ace up his sleeve. I'm real skeptical. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of the same guys. And you'll see some marginal improvement. My, my frustration watching this Nuggets team implode this year when it did. I mean, was the Phoenix Suns roster really that much better than ours? Nope. So if they could win nearly 50 games, how come we, coming off a 57-win season, weren't even in the conversation? They had a roster full of tryhards. That's what they did. It's crazy. But I look at the roster, too, and I see all these big dudes. Like You got Darrell Arthur. You got Fareed. You have Hickson, you have Gallo who can play power forward, you have McGee, you have Mozgov, Quincy Miller, Anthony Randolph, Jan Vesely. It's like, what are they going to do with all these big dudes? You know, are they, are they going to bring all these guys back? Obviously, like we're saying, you know, you, you don't want to move Fareed. You have Hickson who the Nuggets handed him a nice big fat contract when he was waived by the Kings at one point, and the Blazers were happy to see him go. So he's what not does it say about him? And by the way, I like Hickson, and I, I get all my sources from. Russ and Vicky, and Vicky tells me that Hickson's like the sweetest kid in the world, okay? And she would know, but here's my thing with Hickson. If he was so good, he leaves Portland, to your point, Nate, they waived him. They didn't even re-sign him. They bring in Robin Lopez, who could be a candidate for a Stiffs Hall of Fame award <laughs> if he ever played here, and the Blazers are phenomenal. They're phenomenal at, with, with a stiff role player at center as opposed to a double-double machine. Well, they, what does they, that tell you? But they always tell him that... That's what we heard all season was he's a double-double machine, but if you looked at the Portland's rebounding numbers last year, they rebounded the ball better when Hickson was on the bench, which is crazy. It's crazy. Well, think. and again, Nate, you, you know him. I know him. Why isn't a guy like Kim Hughes here in Denver? I mean, they load up the roster, a third or fourth of the roster, or a third or more than that, sorry, two-thirds yeah. of the roster are big men, and yet we have nobody on the bench. Uh, Coach Shaw surrounded himself with a bunch of former guards. So who's working with Hickson? No, who's no working one. with Kenneth Fareed? Who's working with Mozgov on footwork and box outs and rebound? No one. The Nuggets' history of having big men coaches is pretty spotty, as, in, think, as yeah. in non-existent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you'll see, like, you'll see Melvin Hunt and Lester Connor really working with those guys, but it's like, at the same time, you know, Melvin was a guard at Baylor. Lester Connor was a guard in the NBA. Like, yep. these guys aren't they're not accustomed to playing in the post, but, you know, would you rather have... You know, Blair Rasmussen coaching the big guys or, like, a real big guy, like, sending your guys to see Akeem Olajuwon once a year or something. I, I, like I don't know what Wayne Cooper's doing now. I thought he got ousted with the Kings' ownership change. He was, like, an assistant yeah. GM in, yeah. in Sacramento. I, I would love to see Wayne Cooper here. I mean, Wayne Cooper was a big boy. Uh, Wayne Cooper knows how the intermachinations of the NBA work, being in a, a GM capacity for a long time in mm-hmm. Sacramento. Wayne Cooper was a rebounding, blocking, box-out machine. I'd love to see him back here. Yeah, that's a good. That's a pretty good. That's a creative idea too. I never thought about Wayne Cooper. I never thought about him. Or so, get Calvin Nat out of the mortuary business and have him come <laughs> here and help. Undertaker. I mean, he's only six five, but hey, Calvin Nat was an all star. 
You know, Calvin, Calvin Nat was a poor man's Charles Barkley. I mean, he was an undersized power forward who knew how to muscle his way around. You don't tell me, you don't, you don't think Darrell Arthur and uh, J.J. Hickson and Kenneth Reed could learn a thing or two from Calvin Nat? Well, the Nuggets made an entire history full of undersized um, players. Like, Issel was an undersized center. And what about Lafonso Ellis, too? Lafonso Ellis, oh. yeah. Well, that would get Jeff and I both going. Oh, but, I mean, yeah. he, seemed to, he seems to enjoy his time when he was back for the anniversary yeah. team and you know, why wouldn't he want to be around this? They, and and yeah. he's a class act. LaFonz yeah. or Ellis. I mean, look, I'm not a religious guy, and LaFonz's whole life is guided by, by God, but, but it's worked well for him. And he is such a pure soul. It's yeah. infectious. When you're around him, it's infectious. Oh, and, yeah. And, and uh, one would have to think, you know, LaFonz is another guy who remains connected to the game in a commentary capacity. So I would vote for Fonz, Wayne Cooper. Someone's got to coach these guys on how to play. Because even Fareed, even though he statistically had a great last couple months, Fareed is never in the right place on a box out. He's a swooper. You know, he swoops in to get the rebound. He's never in the right place. Well, he's, he's his defensive acumen leaves much to be desired. He improved on the offense because he went and posted up. But, I mean, let's face it, his defense is the one thing that needs a lot, a lot of work. And, um, Toro, gets, Toro. <laughs> so is there, a, is there a question next season heading into camp? Like, who's your starting power forward? Who's your starting center? Have Freed and Mozgov uh, done enough to solidify their roles on the team? I don't know. I don't know. To me, Timofey Mozgov is your starting center. I think he's earned it. Yeah. I think he's played phenomenally well recently. And That 23-point, uh, 29 rebound, rebound game against the Golden State Warriors. I've never seen that. Well, I haven't seen that since Matumbo was here. Matumbo well, you've never seen it because no Nuggets ever grabbed 29 yeah, rebounds. That. And, you know, Matumbo had, I think, 31 rebounds and, and a double overtime game. And I think Spencer Haywood, too, same Spencer thing. They Haywood both had 31. Too. But that was in the overtime, ABA. Yeah. So, I mean, that was he did something that no one's done. And he basically was the reason the Nuggets won, other than Fareed's shot, was the Nuggets' reason the Nuggets were in and won that and game. I think that McGee and Fareed are awkward starting next to each other. Yeah. So I'd like to see us. St- I mean, look, let's dream in Technicolor for a second. I think a starting five, and I'm showing my homerism here, but a starting five of Ty Lawson, Randy Foy, Danilo Gallinari, Kenneth Fareed, and Timothy Mozgov with uh, JaVale McGee uh, coming off the bench is not the worst thing in the world. I, I mean, that so could either. be a really... Oh, and Wilson Chandler. And, Wilson Chandler. Could be a, and, and Evan Fournier, who I'm a big fan of. I, that could be a really interesting... And you have Nate Robinson, who likes to run. You know, I mean, yeah. him and Mozgov developed some interesting chemistry as, as they were playing together during the year. Well, Nate can take his time coming back from his ACL. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, JaVale and Nate might be a, an interesting pair. And Nate's so strong, like, he was, he was already out shooting jumpers a couple weeks back. Like, wow. he's, I mean, he's... His legs are well, yeah. It, both him and Gallo were all are like recovered from their sur- various surgeries. Like, and I think Brian fast. Shaw. I said this on the radio on Friday. Uh, I, well, I said this most of the year. I always said that I thought Brian Shaw needed an extra month of training camp. It was almost like he needed an extra six months of training camp. Mm-hmm. Shaw just never was able to dial into the pulse of this team until the last month. So let's let's go through. Uh, and you did you did write your column of uh, Denver <laughs> yeah. Nuggets annual report card. Let's kind of go through some of these grades and we'll see if we agree or disagree with Andy. We had Ty Lawson with a B plus. I, I can't argue with that. I might go A minus on him. He had a good year. He missed some games. B plus is pretty. See, accurate. I couldn't give him the A minus because of two things. One, he didn't win fifty percent of the games that he started, yeah. and two, he missed twenty games. Yeah, so. that one's fine. And whether that's him or management saying, hey, Ty, let's just take a couple weeks off to get us a better lottery pick, who knows. <laughs> but, but 
you can't lose more than 50% of your games and get an A- minus from me. So we all think he's back next year, right? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's back. Be. I mean, he's the, he's the face of the franchise if it's not free. So Wilson Chandler, a B- minus from Mr. Feinstein. What do you think about that one? Well, I wrote one. I, I gave him a B-. minus. What do you think? <laughs> I like Will. I think I'm a little disappointed that he didn't grasp more firmly onto his opportunity this year. I thought he could have, yeah, he could have maybe cemented himself as a starting you give small him forward. Nate? Yeah. I thought B-minus is pretty accurate for him. Yeah. I might even go C-plus, B-minus. I'd probably you know, do a C-plus. It was, it was disappointing seeing that he wasn't you know, out there consistently enough putting up 15-plus points a game, especially when Lawson was struggling. It's like they needed somebody to step up, and it was typically Randy Foy and not Wilson Chandler on the offensive end. So I thought that was accurate. Plus, you know, you have the, the missed games as well. Yeah. That was pretty good. All right, Kenneth Fareed got a B-plus from Mr. Feinstein after a crummy start. That one was hard for me because most of the year he sucked. And I'm like, does the last two months of the season. I mean, he was getting benched for the second half of games. He was getting benched repeatedly. And, and Brian Shaw, without naming names, took every opportunity he could to bash <laughs> Kenneth Fareed. When I hit the publish button on that article, uh, I, that was the one I regretted a little bit. I felt like the B-plus could have been knocked down to a B. I don't think you can ignore those last two months, though. I mean, yeah. he, he's been a beast. But well, uh, I, I think, well, let me put you this yeah. way. His last two months elevated it from a D to a C-plus for me. Okay. And I thought, I thought he did, like, his post work, too. Like, he's, he gets deep post position now. Like, he seems to mm-hmm. understand, you know, how to play and how to score in the post on offense. He took the big shot against the Warriors. And, you know, I, I, I lean more towards believing the last two months are a sign of something to come. So, you know, B, B-plus would be good by me. Yeah. I would have to say. Daniel Gallinari, an incomplete. I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should talk about You know, you could give him an A+. Plus. He might be the MVP. I mean, <laughs> look how good the Nuggets were with him, and look how crappy they were without him in the playoffs and this season. Yeah. The only thing I'm going to say about Gallo is... He should get MVP consideration. The only, the only, only thing I could say is that he affects the team positively on defense and offense, and those guys are like... They needed someone to affect positively the defense and offense this year. Not that Dallow's isn't a spectacular player, but they needed that kind of influence. But, you know, uh, incomplete is the only thing you can give him. Only thing you can give so him. So I forgot on these last two. Uh, Wilson Chandler, is he back next year at the team? That's the one I don't know. I mean, that's a very tradable contract for a very – I mean, look, at the end of the day, you say what you want about Wilson. He still gave us, I think, what, 12, 14 points a game? Yeah. Four or five rebounds, a couple assists. I mean – he shot terribly, but uh, you know Wilson's a kid that can go out for twenty five on any given night. He only makes what five million dollars a year. That's a very tradable guy. I think he's due seven million next year, and then or six million next year, and seven million partially guaranteed the year after. So, I mean, that is the most reasonable contract in the NBA. I think. I mean, if the Nuggets make a trade, it's going to be hard to see somebody besides Chandler getting included in that deal. Like, I think he's probably going to be one of the first guys they would deal because where they're going to draft. That's a, a, a spot where they could probably take a small forward if they kept the pick. Uh, you have Jan Vesely who could re-sign and maybe play a little bit in spot minutes at backup small forward. So I would like to see them keep him. And you have Fournier, too. I, mean. I would like to see them keep Chandler, to be honest with you, because uh, he plays well with Gallo. This is the problem. We all are connected to these guys. Yeah. And with the exception of Nate Robinson and maybe Darrell Arthur and maybe J.J. Hickson, I'd like to see them keep all these guys. Mm-hmm. But these guys won 36 games. So if you keep all these guys, 
Where do you go? Where do you go? <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I think that the people are very naive to think that you can pair a couple of these guys with a draft pick and suddenly, you know, a top seven player is walking through the door. That ain't happening. Yeah, it's most likely to me if they traded Chandler, it would be for some kind of like – you know, draft pick in the future, like maybe a future first from like a good team like the Spurs or something like that. I, I always know. wonder in the back of my mind if a Ty Lawson, Rajon Rondo deal is out there, and that's a risky deal. I'm not sure you. I mean, is Brian Shaw the type of guy that can handle a guy like Rajon Rondo? I can't imagine Brad Nate, Stevens can handle him. Nate's so. not a fan. <laughs> Rondo, no. Yeah. I would rather have Ty than Rajon. <laughs> I think he's terrible. I don't know. To me, if he, if he's not passing the Hall of Fame players, then I don't know what his value is. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of right. It's a good point. So we all think Fareed's going to be back. Yeah, I think he's going to get a contract. No, I, I, I think Fareed's a big wild card. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he is hard to trade. I mean, well, I think his contract is hard to trade, though. I mean, it's is there a provision? And this is what somebody need to work, look up about early extensions. <laughs> about early extensions and trading, because I don't think you can trade someone after an early extension. He's right? got yeah. that. Uh, let's see, next year will be his fourth year, so uh-huh. he's got that fourth year where he has to be here if we want him to be here. And then he's got that awkward player option for year five, yeah, which essentially makes him a free agent, right? Yeah. Well, he's got it's a team option. Team option to... with it. It's not a qualifying offer, though, is it? No, to... it is a qualifying offer. Is that a qualifying That's the fifth offer? Fifth year is the fifth year quali- offer. Okay. Yeah. Well, then it's just uh, it's the same thing that the Clippers did with Eric Bledsoe. They traded him to Phoenix, and then he agreed to an extension with Phoenix. Um, it's all going to depend on right. if the Nuggets think they can sign him uh, by the time his early extension period ends in October. What do you guys think? What would you want to pay him? What would you want to see him make a year if you're GM in this team? Eight million a year. Eight million. Yeah. And his you like how Jeff and I actually agreed on something for once. <laughs> yeah. His agent probably wants what twelve, thirteen. Oh, for sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. He wants JaVel McGee money for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or at least that's JaVel McGee money. Cash. I mean, that's twelve. That's eleven, twelve million years. JaVel yeah. McGee money. All right. Randy Foy gets a B from Mr. Feinstein. He might break Andy's favorite player, Dale Ellis's. Or has he already broken it? The three-point mark, 192 makes. Really? That asshole? He's the one that has the record? <laughs> he is from the 96-97 season, 192 That lost threes. season. He, he chucked. 95-96, I think, right? Yeah, 96-97. Yeah. 96-97. That, that Dick Mata year. That was the year Dale Ellis to chucked his way to whatever? Yeah. I hated that guy. Yeah. Um... I thought Foy's been a lot better than I thought he would be. Like I, I didn't know if he would shoot the ball as See, well as he did. My point in giving him a B was he was exactly what I thought he was going to be. So how do you give a guy a downgrade in a grade when he'd be a great bench player? If Randy Foy, I'll tell you right now, if Randy Foy is on the Thunder this year, that's the difference between them being a conference finals participant and an NBA finals participant. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. That's how. That's him. But, but you never but expected him to play. on a team like the Nuggets, play. all he is is he's the difference between a 32-win team and a 36-win team. I, I agree completely. I mean, you didn't need, the Nuggets never thought when they signed him that he was going to play you know, 15 to 20 games this year as the point guard. You know, and yeah. handling the ball, having to make plays, like they figured that out early in his career that he was not a point guard. He came so in as a point that, guard, right? Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the fact that he came in and was able to kind of you know, be a little bit of a glue guy for the team, especially in the locker room, was where I thought he had a lot of. He's the a lot of he's value. a good player on a bad team, um, but he would be much better utilized coming off the bench. He'll probably be back next year unless they can include that three million dollar deal in a trade. I would expect Randy Floyd probably expect to be the, the starting shooting guard again. He'll be back. Yeah. All right, Aaron Brooks got a B from Andy in his, his <laughs> short time of, here. A lot of Bs. Jeffrey, 
I like Aaron Brooks. Uh, I like him more than Nate Robinson. That's I do too, but I like I'd rather have you as backup point guard than Nate Robinson. <laughs> Uh, I tried to show off my skills a little bit at Nuggets practice uh, about uh, a month ago, and Connolly was taking the ball from me and telling me I was embarrassing myself, so uh, <laughs> I, uh, I won't be doing that. But mm, I think B is probably good for, for his year uh, with the Nuggets, you know, and year with fine. the Nuggets. He won't be back. He won't be back. And for me, like, I always want, if you're going to carry three point guards, I always want the third guy to be like Julian Stone, you know, like a young guy that might have upside as a specialty player, either offense or defense, that has size. Like, I could say, if they bring back Brooks and Nate, they have all these short guys. Like, give me Julian Stone, who'll be relegated to the. Gary Forbes slash Darnell Me uh-huh. bin of Nuggets history. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, so Brooks probably, I, I would say he's not going to be back next year. I don't see him, if he, especially if he gets a primary backup call from some other team. I think he he's probably gone. will. Yeah, he should. He's another guy. I mean, I just see Brooks. You know, you put him again on the Thunder, on the Spurs, on the Pacers, you know, and he's their second or third string guy. I think he could have a real impact. I just don't think he, you know, a, a wise GM who once GM'd here once told me that uh, you don't want a guy where you already know his potential. You only want guys where you don't know their potential. And unfortunately, Brooks falls in that category where we know what his ceiling is, so why do we even need him? Yeah. To your point, Nate, I'd rather gamble with a young kid yeah. who's a lot cheaper and see what happens. Like an Eric Green. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right, J.J. Hickson somehow squeaks out a B-minus from Andy Feinstein. <laughs> Colin <laughs> Nielsen's most hated player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would have given... I'd probably Colin given Nielsen, him. who wrote... <laughs> Colin, if you're listening, we love you. Colin Nielsen wrote that his 25-rebound game was a worthless 25-rebound game. I don't know how it's possible to have a worthless 25-rebound game. Do you know how hard it is to have 25 fucking rebounds in an NBA that's game? Some, that's some active hate right there. That is yeah. some pretty active hate. I would have given J.J. either a, a D-plus or a C-minus. Why is that, season. though? Why, why the hatred for J.J.? I, just, I, I couldn't stand his, his lack of boxing out on the defensive rebounds, his lack of any kind of defense on, on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, but I, I did really like his his pick and roll game with Ty, so maybe I'd give him a C. Maybe I'd go straight C with JJ because he did provide a lot of offense. I go C plus mostly because I think they found his role at the end of the year, at the end of his before he got injured off the bench. By the way, you bring him off the bench, bring McGee off the bench, you bring one of these guards off the bench. Can the Nuggets with have Chandler a too? Bench? Yeah, and that's an amazing bench yeah. to me. Yeah, it's a I, better I agree. bench to me than one featuring Corey Brewer. Although, if you have <laughs> Hickson and McGee on the floor together, who's going to do the boxing out? That's a trick question. Chandler. The answer is nobody, I guess. <laughs> Nate Robinson, maybe. That'll be tough. JaVale can't box out a fly, so I don't know. Yeah. All right, some of these other dudes, Nate Robinson got somehow got a C-plus from Andy. He didn't give him an F, which is surprising. Somehow that surprises you, me. You're going to have to explain that before Nate, I jump in. I can, I can separate my personal hatred of him as a player. <laughs> By the way, as a person, I have great admiration. I'm just saying as a player, I can separate my hatred from him and, and the production that was on the court. He produced. Uh-huh. Nate's always produced. He's also played for six teams in nine years or something like that. So, or five teams in eight years, something like that. You know, the thing is funny about him is throughout his whole career, he's had great hometown fans. Like he was in Boston, great place to play. New York, great place to play. Chicago, great place. Uh, Oklahoma City, awesome. Golden State. Golden State, amazing. Then he comes to Denver, and he kind of heard some stories where he was yelling at the crowd to get more into the games. And it was like, well, this is your first time, not with like a diehard fan I, ha- I hate to disparage, but I don't know. De- Denver's just not a basketball town. I, I have a no. very good friend from Indianapolis who I took to a game a year ago, and he could not believe how docile – 
the Nuggets crowd was. He could not believe it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a little too much of a thing to do versus I'm there for the game. It, it, when it was McNichols, it was more of a family atmosphere, and then it, they, once they went to Pep Center, they kind of lost it. And I think, well, I think all these centers are stale. I think they're yeah. all stale. I mean, Staples Center has got to be the most sterile place I've ever been. It is very sterile. Yeah, the Forum had character. Oh, of course, they all did. Oh, yeah. All the all the old barns had character. Yeah. So if you want to have a baby, don't go to Staples. Right. <laughs> it's, it's uh, with Nate, I. I will go and say that as a player, he was okay. As a locker room presence, maybe not so okay. And, and your grade is? And my grade would be D. Wow. Yeah, he's kind of a dividing factor in the locker room, it seems like. Yeah. He, he kind of, I was reading some stories about Mark Jackson dividing the Utah Jazz locker room against John Stockton the other day. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Nate Robinson for some reason. Like, you know, maybe not intentionally trying to be divisive, but. Still being able to do so, Mark Jackson. He, he brought he brought music into the Nuggets locker room, which yeah. is terrible. I mean, yeah, I Mark wish. Jackson was the Lenny Wilkins of assists. Oh. He was just around for so long that he worked his way up the leader. I, I was talking to uh, to a uh, friend of mine uh, in the league, and he was saying Mark Jackson and Lenny Wilkins had the same person personalities and reputations. They're both jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's like one of those things. But Nate, I can't give him more than a D. What about you, Nate? Is that Is who you? we were on? Was Nate? Yeah, yeah. I guess it was. Uh, yeah, I'd probably C. C's fine by me. Like he was, he was okay. He shot the ball really well, which he's, you know, basically accustomed to doing now. So consistent when he was out there for the most part, shooting threes, which is all I really expected out of him this year. Um, how about Mozgov? You guys want to see? It? He got a B plus from Andy. Would you guys? You guys well think deserved. he'll be back? Obviously, he's going to be back. He's going to be back, and should get. I, I think he should be, unless Javale McGee blows him out of the water in training camp. That's your starting center. Uh, he should be because he's steady. But you're going to be paying one guy like what four to five million, and his backup's going to be making twice that. <laughs> you got a five million dollar. Uh, center playing like an $11 million center and an $11 million center playing like a $5 million center. But, you know, I, I, Mozgov advanced leaps and bounds. I think even George Carls admitted in one of his interviews with Dave Krieger that he should have played Mozgov more. He just, he, George loved that Costa Kufis did everything he wanted to do. Stand out of bounds, you know, set yeah. screens. And we and haven't rebound. mentioned George's name until here we are 40 minutes into this podcast and we're finally mentioning George's name. I think George deserves a hell of a lot of credit. You know, say what you want. Look, he, he may not have been the best playoff coach in the world, but from a regular season perspective, those guys never took a night off. George's players played hard. And George yeah. went through stretches of injuries, too, to, I mean, whether it's Lawson, uh, Mozgov. I, I hate to say this, I really like Brian personally, and I think Brian will do okay you know, next season. But George Carl's coaching this year. They win 46 games. Uh, but like, they probably lose in the first round yeah. if they get there. Well, I mean, this is, that's the way George was. And the, what George admitted that he should have played Mozgov more. And I, I think they're seeing the fruits of Mozgov's playing right now. Because he's gotten better as the years gotten on, so I, I I'd give Mozzie a P plus. Yeah, that's a good accurate grade. I mean, sometimes he looks great in the post too, where it's like he knows exactly what he's doing. He can finish with both hands. Almost prefers to finish left-handed, which is he's got a great crazy, left but, hook. 
And then other nights, like, he's kind of rushing his post moves. He's not rebounding. And it's like, where where did this guy go? How is he getting outplayed by, you know, Miles Plumlee tonight? And I, yeah. don't, I don't understand. He doesn't deal with smaller guys very well. I thought he's been good. And I, I would love to see him, you know, start next year for the team and kind of go from there. Another guy that, uh, I don't know, how, how are we feeling about 21-year-old Yvonne Fournier in his season? Should we I'm a little disappointed more? in how he's played. He showed flashes, but he's been extremely inconsistent, and that's been a little disconcerting to me. As he's been, I, I wish there would be more consistency from him because I've seen potential from him where he could be a great like six man, you know, um, kind of in the really in the Manu Ginobili because he's kind of got the same kind of moves around the hoop, um, but he's just he's. Just didn't advance as far as I thought. But I think C plus, B minus is a good grade for him. Do we think we know who he is yet? As a player, is there's, I think at 21, he still has a lot of room to grow. He's got a lot yeah, of Yeah, he's young. He could get a lot stronger. He could you know, change his game up a little bit. Like I like his confidence, though. You know, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that he'll miss. Maybe it's dangerous. He's got a little J.R. Smith in him. But you know, he'll miss six shots, shots in a row, and he'll still take that seventh shot. And. I, I think that'll pan out. I, I'm bullish on Fournier. My favorite thing about Fournier might be that uh, when he was learning English, he did much of it around NBA players, so he's <laughs> picked up a lot of swear words. <laughs> right. So when you talk to him, his kind of crutch words are like curse words, which is very funny because yeah, you, I, you I, can't I, ever get sound from him and then play it on like a podcast because you'd have to bleep out I tried to three. interview him um, about three months ago in the locker room, and... I couldn't use any of it because if I took out the swear words, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. I love that about it. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't use any of this. We just won't even worry about it. Do we think he'll be back next year? Do you think Fournier comes back? Like, is oh, for, I think so. Yeah. I, do too. I mean, I can see him easily By the way, involved. I just saw a shot of Andre Karolinko on the TNT broadcast here, and I couldn't tell if that was him or Woody Harrelson from Semi-Pro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good comp right there. That's not bad. That is not bad. Uh, just a few other dudes here. McGee's obviously going to be back. We didn't see anything out of him. Do you guys think that there's anything to trust in him moving forward? Do you think Shaw ha- might have some influence on JaVale McGee? You know, Shaw gets a lot of credit for working with Roy Hibbert in Indiana. Uh, and he's starting to get credit for how Mozgov and Freed have been playing, too. Well, Jeffrey, oh. you're the expert. Look at it, look at it this way. Fareed's, I mean, Mos- or, it was a Sandy Clough pregnant pause that Jeff <laughs> likes to. Uh, uh, McGee's issues are not about talent. They're not about ability. They're about where the execution from his head to his limbs and his lack of actual strength. And I have yet to be convinced that that can translate but you know what? It is an untradeable contract, and you have to find out what you have. See, I disagree. Yeah. It's not an untradeable contract. You don't, you don't think it's untradeable? There's a sucker out there that's going to pay 11 yeah. Nate's nodding in agreement. There's a sucker out there that's going to pay $11 million for a 7-foot-one. Give him back to Masai. <laughs> I mean, I, I also think at some point you could, you could probably sucker somebody into dealing for him. You know, it could be, could be pretty easy. Um, let's blow through some other guys. Drell Arthur, you guys think he'll be back? Yeah, I would. I feel bad for Darrell Arthur. He seems like a nice kid, but I think he's one of those guys that's always a throw-in. There's a trade out there that's going to happen, and don't be surprised it's if good defensive Darrell Arthur's on the exit side of that trade. 
Yeah. Uh, he'll probably opt in. I like him because he's like he's the most consistent big guy for the Nuggets. Forty percent shooting, thirty nine point five percent shooting. That's consistent. I'll say from the defensive side. <laughs> okay. like he's, a, he's, he's the best defender they have, but yeah, his offensive game of just shooting jump shots is. He's the best defender they. Have. Okay. Oh. Defensive end for the big guys. Yeah, I would say so. Darrell Arthur's your best defender. Well, they don't win thirty six games. Oh wait, they did win thirty six games. <laughs> All right, Quincy Miller, what do you guys do with his roster spot? Unguaranteed contract. I wouldn't pick up his option. Nate? You'd let him roll? Um, if they get creative and move around some other pieces, but if it comes down to, like, Quincy or Vesely or Quincy and maybe Joffrey from overseas, I think maybe you roll the dice with somebody else, even though he's still super young. I love that kid. He is, like, the nicest, Absolutely young nicest. gentleman I've ever met of all the NBA players I've met, uh, but I just don't know how to call that one. That's a tough one. He just doesn't look right out there. He has no explosion. And that's what's bothered me. It's like, that's he a runs good point. Like, he runs kind of like Gallo, too. Yeah. <laughs> he runs like me. It's a huge problem. <laughs> he kind of like, and Gallo's got the, 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 I injured my back, my rookie year shuffle, you know, you know, straight up. And he does, too, but he doesn't have any burst. There's no, there's no burst. It's like he can't get around guys, and that, that's what's always bothered me. And I don't see it getting better. Right. He's got Durant's body type, but he has none of the fluidity of yeah. Durant. Not even close. Yeah. And the, the one guy that I really want to see off the team next year, Anthony Randolph. Got a B-minus from Andy, but I think that's the one guy. I just felt bad. That's why I gave him a B-minus. Why do you say that, Nate? He just, he, there's no role for him. He's a jump shooter that can't shoot jumpers. He's a <laughs> big guy that doesn't play big. I mean, there's just, he, the book's out on him. See, on I felt bad, and I shouldn't have done this, but when I do my grades, I felt bad for guys like Anthony Randolph who are pretty hapless on any based on any criteria. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, he's, our, you know, he's already doomed to the end of a bench. Do I really need to zing him with a C grade on top of it? Right. Yeah. Because, you know, they read these things and take them so personally. <laughs> <laughs> that Feinstein, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. Jeff, I know you don't want to see Randolph back, right? Uh, he's, Be honest. As I said this before, Just say it. A, a couple games early in the season, uh, he led the Nuggets in scoring. And I, and I made the comment, like, when... Anthony Randolph either leads your team in shoot shots attempted or leads your team in scoring, your team is going to lose. And you just, you, you don't, I would give him a D. And uh, I don't think he'll be back. I think They my, may waive him. I think my favorite addition to the team that I didn't expect to be when they made the trade of Andre Miller for Jan Vesely, I was like, well, this guy's a bust. Like he's terrible. He's a bust. I like him, man. I like this oh guy. Oh my! God. I'm going to have you two it's talk not, about this because I, I'm kind of down the middle. But you, you two, hash this out. It's not his fault that he was drafted so high, and it's not also not his fault that the Wizards completely ruined his confidence. But well, he's a, he's, he's a good he, defender. He to me, well, that's a stretch. To, to me, he's he's like skittish really. and that is he he and, and Darko Milicic. He is living proof of why the NBA needs a true D-League system where these kids play, and Quincy is too, where you play 40 minutes a night in a system that you control as an organization. And if the NBA wasn't so cheap and relied on those thieves from the NCAA to develop their players for them, yeah. we'd have a true D-League. And the, and, the, and, the, and the downside of not having a true D-League is you get guys like Vaselli, who may or may not have been a decent NBA player, but you're right. His confidence is shattered. The Wizards totally fucked his career over, and he was just... I don't know. I don't see him back next year. And Tim Connolly, our general manager, a former Wizards employee, because Tim and I talked about this, he has no connection to him. I mean, Tim had already moved on to the 
to the Hornets before Vasselli was even drafted in Washington. So I, I don't see it. But yeah. I appreciate your optimism. Yeah, I, I just think if there's, a, if there's a deal there, I don't know if he's going to make more than he's making now. I mean, I, I've seen good energy, good instincts on the court. He will not make $4 million a year, I can promise yeah. you that. And Brian Shaw can't stop saying enough good things about Well, the that's guy. good to know. I, mean, I didn't know that. So. That's why you're in the locker room and I pontificate from the couch. <laughs> I would say that um, if the price is right, there's nothing harm. There's nothing harmful in keeping him. They have a. By the way, spot. at the end of the day, yeah, you got to have a, a white guy who's your twelfth, twelfth <laughs> guy on the bench. So it might as well be Vaselli. <laughs> All right, let's talk Andy before. This you is going to be printed like <laughs> on Andy's tombstone. You might as well have a white guy. <laughs> must have, must have. Uh, Andy, before you get before you get out of here, we got to ask. What do you think about this draft and about this draft pick with the Nuggets? We've kind of all been, you know, the three of us have internally talked about what may happen. <laughs> Would you want to see the Nuggets, let's say they don't move up and they, they keep the Knicks pick at 11, what do you want to see them do with it? I don't think you're going to move up because um, the guys drafting through, I think there's about seven good players, right? So uh, the guys drafting through to whatever guy you want to call is seven, Marcus Smart, Aaron Gordon, Exum, whoever it is, um, they're not going to want to move their picks, I don't think, unless you're parting with a Lawson, a Gallo, a Fareed, which we're really not going to want to do. I know Jeff thinks the pick is on the move. Um, I don't know how to call it. What I, what I can tell you from experience watching the NBA forever, there is no difference drafting 10th versus 20th. Yeah. And, it's, and I'm just sorry, there's no difference. And uh, Now, Bernie Bickerstaff was an idiot when yeah. he traded down from 10 to 18 and bypassed on Kobe Bryant, Pedro Stoyakovich, Jermaine O'Neal in the same draft, uh, and Steve Nash in the same draft. Um, if those types of guys are out there, you, you got to keep that pick and go for it. But my point, my macro point is there's not a lot of difference between drafting 10th versus 20th. So if the Nuggets may be moving in the opposite direction, maybe we can add somebody who we would really use and we actually move back in the draft because doesn't Evan Fournier and uh, Ty Lawson and Kenneth Fareed prove, and, and JaVale McGee prove, that you're as apt to score with the 18th pick in the draft because you are the 10th or the 11th? I think it all depends on where the Nuggets see themselves at with their roster spots. And if they let Vaselli and Brooks go and like just expire and then maybe cut Quincy, because you kind of keep in mind, they're bringing back Joffrey, uh, uh, Lavernier, they're bringing in, probably going to bring in Eric Green just to see him, you know. There's going to be a lot of roster spots this year. They may, in my mind, they may use the pick as a wedge to be, remove some salary from or the team. Or punt into another draft yeah. a year later. You know, people ask me almost on a daily basis, even when I'm in business meetings because they hear me on the radio or whatever, what do the Nuggets need? And it's a hard question to answer because really we have every single position filled out. I guess if I can name one thing, and this is to kind of pick up what George Carl said in his interview with Dave Krieger a week or so ago, I still think they need a dead-eye shooter. Yeah. And there aren't that many of them in the NBA. I'm not sure what that even means. Does that mean you get Steve Novak? Does that mean you get Kyle Korver? Does that mean you get J.J. Redick? You know, maybe get me, but maybe it means you get Doug McDermott. <laughs> and, 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 and Jeff is cringing, and I've asked a few GMs, is Doug McDermott Adam Morrison 2.0? And what they all tell me is he's not crazy. Morrison actually, I guess, had some mental know, issues. Mental issues. JJ Reddick's turned out to be a very capable. I hate to lump all white guys into one conversation, but <laughs> JJ Reddick's turned out to be a very credible NBA player. 
you know, Jimmer Fredette's probably going to be a bust because he's just undersized. But McDermott's a big boy. And, you know, why couldn't he be, why couldn't he be a Ryan Anderson, Matt Bonner type guy, Corver type guy? You're 6'7, 6'8, stands out there and bombs threes. And the Nuggets are going to be able to draft him. And that's going to take some serious consideration considering they desperately need a shooter. Yeah, I mean, and if you drafted, if you went with Doug McDermott, you almost certainly should trade Wilson Chandler and maybe a couple other pieces and just let him, you know, settle into that backup small forward role behind Gallo. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if the Nuggets kept the pick and, and, and used it on somebody this year. I'd actually kind of like it. Right. You know, Rodney Hood's still there from Duke. They could maybe even move back and draft Rodney Hood, who, who might have a future as a small forward in the NBA, maybe a, a Paul Pierce-type guy where he's overlooked and then has a, a pretty stunning result years later, but... At the same time, Denver did trade the pick and trade it for a future first. If they trade it for a future first from, like, you know, San Antonio or the Thunder, that's not worth a damn. But if they trade it for a team that has a chance of doing maybe what the Knicks did or, you know, what the Wizards tend to do every year, I wouldn't mind that. Well, at look at it this way, guys. The, the Nuggets have a lot of injured players that are their best assets. And specifically Gallo. Um, in order for the Nuggets to clear salary, they may have to trade the pick as a wedge to get people to take their salary. I really do think the Nuggets will be looking to shed some of these contracts next year. And I don't think you're, they're going to be tradable unless you use the pick as an olive branch. And I think if the Nuggets can find, it will find if they find the right trade, they will definitely trade the pick. That does not mean they definitely will will trade the pick. But in the purpose of shedding salary, and because Brian Brian Shaw, the last month has said, I want a veteran leader. I want a veteran leader on this team. He keeps saying that over and over and over again. Well, the only way you're going to get that is if you trade for it. Yeah, we talked about that last week a little bit, and we got into. What veteran leader are you going to bring in here that's going to make a difference to anybody on this team? Like, if you bring in Carlos Boozer, what's he going to do? Nothing. He's going to do absolutely nothing for this team. Oh, and, uh, and Boozer's it, terrible. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I, I just and I don't get the you know shedding salary thing. I mean, the Nuggets have already shown this season that they don't want to you know tank or anything like that. So, how much salary are they are they shedding enough to resign free to a well, big well, deal? Well, they need to consolidate though. I mean, they've got twenty thousand power forwards, right? So I mean, mean it's so I mean, if you if you're going to try to get other things, I mean, let's face it, sometimes the draft pick is completely superfluous to what you want to do. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be we need they, a shooter. If they traded, if they could, if they package that pick with Javale McGee, you could talk me into that. I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. I don't mind it. But if, if they have shooters. They have Nate Robinson, Lawson. Chandler Foy. I mean, Foy is as dead eye as anybody. Is he? Aside from he's a forty percent shooter. Well, how much? How much higher are you going to get? Forty five. Who's out there that does that now? I mean, that, that's a pretty rare commodity. Besides well, Kyle the, Korver, the Nuggets, in, the, in a scenario like that, would probably be counting on Gallo shooting better when he gets back. He has the capability of doing it. I don't know if he can. Um, outside of that, they don't really have a dead eye shooter. Any, outside of who? Gallo. Yeah, he's certainly not their best three point shooter. But all right, well, Feinstein's got to take off. We're gonna take a little short one. We'll come back with just me and Morton. Wrap this guy up, guys. Hey, sorry to leave you. Up. Love the work this season. I also want to give a quick shout out to 
our new writers because I thought they did a phenomenal job of yeah, making Lauren, the three of us look good. Danny, Mike, Mike and Quinn. Quinn. And sense making. And, and sense making. And I know his true name, but I can't. They say. all did a great job. <laughs> and and uh, make sure your listeners know May 20th, Tuesday, two for one drinks here at Jake's. We are going to see just how the Nuggets and Knicks do in the draft lottery. Hey, if they get the three, if they get the top th- one of the top three picks, they're keeping the damn pick. Yeah, <laughs> and that's also the start of the conference finals. So that that lottery show is going to be at the halftime of one of yeah. the playoff yeah. games. So we'll watch playoff games. We'll watch the lottery. Two for one drinks. We'll have a great time here at Jake's. It's be a really fun night. All right, guys. Love okay. you. Love your work. Am I going to see the game tomorrow? Yep. Yep. We'll All be right. there. I'll be there late, but I'll be there. All right, man. All right. Sounds good. Yep. Andy Feinstein. There he goes. We'll be back. All right, folks, we are back. We are still live at Jake's Food and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, enjoying the two-for-one drink specials tonight. I'm are we really the... live? Shit, yeah, I'm alive, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I am alive. I went with the, uh, the Titan IPAs, which is a, um... oh, God, I forget who makes it now. Breckenridge? Oh, God. Sorry, Titan IPA. Oh, my God. Screwed you guys. Totally forget. It's having, you know, you have... Ross is going to listen time. to this and just be screaming at this uh, computer. And we totally, I totally forgot at the beginning to say that uh, Ross was uh, not with us for the moment because he is on pregnancy leave, we'll call it. Paternity. Pregnancy leave. Pregnancy leave. He's on pregnancy leave. He's on pregnancy leave. Neither one of us is close to And he's kids busy readying the new palatial studios. So He is. You know, we actually probably could have got you a pair of headphones now that Andy's gone. We could have just plugged in the one way. Well, whatever. It's not like it's loud in here tonight anyway. <laughs> no. Dying out. 8.53. Jeff, you have a radio interview with Denver Sports Nation about 9.40? Yes, I do. Talking with Mr. Josh Dover, Dario Carrera, and Adam Kinney, who are all three huge NBA fans. And that's what we're going to talk about now is the NBA playoffs, perhaps. A little general mm-hmm. NBA chatter. Still some, uh, some playoff games to be decided. Or matchups, I mean. Whatever. Right? Aren't there? Uh, yes. Still some good stuff. I still want to figure out, because I heard the other day that the Warriors could still slip past Dallas. Does anybody have tiebreakers out? I could probably look that up, but I'm not going to. Because um, they're only a game up, but I'm imagining that they have the tiebreaker. Um, what are you talking about? Sorry. Golden State and Dallas. Uh, yeah, Golden State has the tiebreaker. I want to see if that's actually true. I believe so. Scroll through. They lost to Dallas on November 27th. They beat Dallas on December 11th by two. I think I watched that game and got pissed because Dallas missed a final shot. <laughs> or no, I think uh, Golden State nailed a, a game. Yeah, winner. no, that was the Curry. They yeah. beat Dallas on March 11th, and they beat Dallas again. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they're locked into that, that seed. Yep. Unless they somehow finish behind, but that's not going to happen now with, with the way things are, right? So... It's an interesting series. I mean, let's start with the West. Let's yeah. start with the West. Let's start with okay. Well, there's the uh, the one and eight is. Uh, it's looking like San Antonio and, Mem- and Memphis. In Memphis, but I mean, who's got the tiebreaker? Dallas and Memphis looks like Dallas. So I think it'll be Memphis. Says, yeah, that could be a hell of a series. It Memphis will. has already beaten them what twice in the playoffs. Yeah, I you, that'll be a slugfest, you know, and I think uh, the. 
the uh, Grizzlies are relatively healthy. Relatively I think, healthy. I think they have everyone back. Uh, Gasol's back and stuff. So. Gasol's back. Randolph isn't quite the same guy from a few years back, but he's no. still quite good. I, I I would say the the Spurs will win, but it's probably going to go six. I don't know say the most improved dude in that series. It might be a difference maker is maybe Mike Conley, although whenever I watch him play, he just looks like the same, inconsistent, can't really shoot from the outside guard that I know and love, but other people tell me he's much improved. Uh, he he has been better. And I think that uh, the wild card is Duncan versus Zach Randolph and Splitter versus Gasol. If that's how it shakes out. Because it's also weird because he's always just around the free throw line. Yeah, and you know, he's, like, he has the capability of backing someone down, but he never Nuggets, does. Nuggets Clippers just uh, kind of tipped off a few minutes ago. Denver down 18-8 to 8 already. And I don't know if the Clippers have anything to play for. Oh, man. No, they, I think they do. They're a game and a half behind the Thunder. Game and a half, but they have two more games, and the Thunder have one. Looks right. Yeah. Looks so right. if uh, if they do that, so who would you pick? In uh, just going to go with a bathroom break. I'm going to keep you guys entertained by Talk to yourself. by talking to myself about Nuggets Clippers, or I may just take a break too. I'll take a break. Where the dogs to find us? Is that a little uh, Pearl Jam we're here? Stone Temple Pilots. To find really? it. Looks like Randy Foy has a mohawk shaved into his head. How's that possible? I have to get a close look at that tomorrow. You know that close crop Chuck Liddell style? Oh, yeah. Wilson Chandler, good to see him back playing the other night in Utah. Gets a few minutes and looks like he'll probably come off the bench again tonight. Starting the old uh, Quincy Miller. The old Quincy Miller. The old Quincy. All right, let's keep going with these playoff series. Uh, Oklahoma City and Dallas. What if they line up? That should be a hell of a series, too. Yeah. You know, Dallas is an interesting team because I didn't expect much from them this year. And they snuck into the playoffs, but... And Monta Ellis has been a lot better than I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm almost... I'm not regretting that the Nuggets didn't sign him because I think putting him next to Dirk with Carlisle really helps. Well, he's been restrained, which right. has been... I mean, no one expected that. Mon- it was Monte have it all, you know? And <laughs> yeah. now it's now it's like... God, I'd love to see Dallas beat them, though. It would be nice. Like, what if and Ellis goes... Ellis kind of... They're kind of in the same light where they have Ellis who can go crazy, Westbrook kind of the same guy, and Durant and Nowinski kind of similar type players, too, right? Uh, yeah, and I think that actually Oklahoma City runs better with Reggie Jackson than they do with Russell Westbrook. Which could almost lead to them making some sort of deal for Kevin Love. What if they traded Westbrook for Kevin Love? Minnesota would be well, you got two, to you do that. Have two chuckers on the same team. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> that's the move, right? You play Ibaka at center, play Love at power, Duran at small. That'd be interesting. It'd be inter- interesting, but I've never valued Love as much as other people have. No, I think he's terrible. I think he's a good. <laughs> he's got the good player on a bad team syndrome, and I he's I, he's undoubtedly one of the better players in the NBA. But mm-hmm. I, he was by far my least favorite star type player. Like, it's just, I, his stats I just, are completely empty. Yeah, he doesn't help his team win. I, it's I, like how good of a team do you have to build around him for him yeah. to be good? You know, I mean, you need you he needs to go to the Thunder here. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, so that, that could be a good series. Uh, Clippers-Golden State has a potential to be a great series it as well. It could, but Bogut went out. Bogut's going to be gone. You would think that DeAndre and Blake would be able to kind of eat them up on the inside. That's going to be a hard one for the uh, Warriors to win. I mean, I, I just I don't see it unless Steph Curry gets – unless the Warriors get as hot as they were against the Nuggets. Did you want the Nuggets to resign Iguodala at the time of his free agency? Yes, but I had reservations because I didn't like the way he behaved during the playoffs. So, yeah, that's an interesting question. I got to the point where I didn't want him to come back. I wanted the Nuggets to work a sign-and-trade that was going to benefit some assets. The guy that I really liked in the the sign-and-trade scenario is Brandon Rush, who hasn't really come back from his, his knee injury to do much for Utah, but... I think Denver lucked out big time, not re-signing Andre Iguodala. Oh, well, Iguodala is what he's averaging, what, nine points a game this year? Something like that? And it's just, to me, too, like, we know that he couldn't. He had a, a trouble shooting the ball, but his lack of confidence, you know, and even in Golden State, like, that's what he said he wanted to do was go play kind of third fiddle, right? I mean, he didn't want to be a scorer. He didn't want to be Steph yeah. Curry or Clay Thompson. No. He wanted to go somewhere where he could kind of be the defensive glue guy. And yeah. At the same time, though, I mean, I don't know. Having him make $12 million a year is just a killer for your cap. I would have never done $12 million a year. And the Nuggets, depending on who you talk to, their contract was structured with a last-year option, and it averaged out to about $9 million a year when you looked at it. You know, with, he would with have to reach him, but he had some pretty easy incentives too from yeah. from things we've heard yeah. that he could have reached where he was not comfortable with that, and he he portrayed the Nuggets and Iguodala as you know the, they say there's always three sides to a story, right? The his side, their side, and the mm, truth. The truth. Yeah. So it, it was interesting to hear kind of you know some stuff from maybe on the Nuggets side, and and then to hear from Iguodala when he was in town months ago with the team about. You know, he didn't like – it wasn't really the money that they said it was because there was some incentives, but then you kind of hear maybe what the incentives were, and it's like couldn't couldn't live up to those. Well, I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> invest- crazy, buddy. you're investing in someone who's going to be 33, 34 at the end of his contract, you know, and it's – And your team's kind of, you know, going in a different direction. I, I think Denver did – just fine by they, they looked out, I think. Because I mean, this year basically would have been Igadala starting at, at shooting guard with Foy coming off the bench, you know, if, if they were still able to add somebody like Foy. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It would have been interesting, but I, I think Denver did much better not bringing him back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't see any way the Clippers lose that series. I don't either. I Not with Bogut out. No, and I, I don't think Golden State's going to do what they did last year and just shoot like that. And Mark Jackson either. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's another reason why. How about Houston and Portland? What do you see? Are you excited about that one at all? Houston to I, me has just—they are a weird team. They've just—they don't play defense at all. I mean, at all. But that's the way Daryl Morey wanted it. That's the he deliberately constructed his team that way. But I mean, I guess Portland's pretty close to. Although Portland has good, like Robin Lopez, pretty good defender, and so is Wes uh, Matthews Batum is too. and Batum, and these guys give up 102 points a game. That's second most at any playoff. Well, they, tra- they changed to, I mean, Terry Stotts is a kind of a disciple of George Carl. And they went to that pace-based kind of thing. But they are much more perimeter than the Nuggets ever were. 
They shoot a lot of threes. Lots. <laughs> and they fell off because, let's face it, sometime, eventually those threes stopped falling. Yeah. And I don't think... Now, well, look at it this way. James Harden is the difference in this series. I think there's no no way they can account for James Harden on a consistent basis in a series. So I'm going to go with Houston in this one. It's tough for me because Harden gets, you know, as much as you think a guy like Wes Matthews could probably shut him down and and, and play really well against him, Harden's going to get so many foul calls. He's going to average, I bet he averages 12 free throws a night. I bet. Yeah, and he, he I, I used to hate Harden's ability to do that, but my dad, who's a basketball aficionado, was pointing to me out to me, the way Harden draws fouls, no one else in the league does. Yeah. The way he extends the ball out in front of him. No, I, I've never seen anyone else do that, ever. And it's clever. I mean, you've got to give it to him. I mean, you know, people may hate it, but that's... I still wonder if he can make it his entire career with uh, the Mohawk big beard. Or if at some point, I think it, I think it was Ross, or I don't remember who said it on the podcast, but somebody said, if he gets married, we might see oh, yeah. a yeah. change there. Yeah. <laughs> the power yeah. of women. Yeah. Okay. He'll, get, he'll get married, and that thing will be coming <laughs> off. So who do you like? Just kind of a gut feeling. Where, where would you go for Western Conference Finals? Who do you think it's going to come down to? Um, I'm going to go with um, San Antonio and Oklahoma City. I can't I'm going to go with chalk on that, but, you know. I've been surprised how many people have been leaning on the Clippers. Thinking the Clippers are... Clippers are good. I mean, Blake Griffin has really improved his game this year, but... I still need to see what they can do in the playoffs. Like, I, I can't say that they're they really going to make the West the because every time they face a tough, you know, Memphis team or a tough defensive team, like, I don't know. I, I need to see them in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, if they win a series, if they get there, I'll be surprised. I, I would... I, I would just based on the fact that their history in the playoffs is bad. And every time they go to the playoffs, Blake Griffin gets injured. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I'm with you, man. I think San Antonio and OKC are going to battle it out for the finals once again. I think we're going to see some great series, but I just those two teams, man, they're so battle-tested. And, yeah. and the Thunder are still, I think, ascending. And I think the Spurs are, are not quite ready to – to go out yet, and I, I don't see Memphis beating San Antonio in the first round if they match up. Well, this is where we disagree. I don't think Oklahoma City is ascending. You think they've leveled? I off? think they peaked, and they they peaked two years ago, and they've just been at the same level. It's but, weird that Abaca seems to have peaked, right? Like he had all this potential, and he's almost become just a jump shooter. He is who he is. I mean, they've tried to get him to shoot more threes. I know they have him shooting corner threes, and, and so it, to me, like. You know, if Kenneth Freed was going to go one way or the other, and it was going to be he's going to either get a more consistent jumper, or he's going to figure out how to play in the post, I take the post. I've seen what you know Zach Randolph, what what, what Duncan do. Like playing down low as a big guy is so much more valuable to me than than being able to knock down eighteen footers or threes. Yeah, and he is so he is not that kind of player. He is so totally he is he's a perimeter shooter that goes in for blocks. And you don't really see many players like that in the NBA. Usually they're able to play down low. Do something. But <laughs> something. But the Oklahoma City Thunder killed their ceiling when they traded James Harden. He was yeah. the guy that you couldn't account for. And 
and you just had that. I mean, you had if, if Westbrook ran into to me, seeing Westbrook's injury woes coming at some point was writing on the wall because of the way yeah. he plays. I mean, Dwayne Wade, same thing. Guys that attack the rim and give up their bodies are going to go through leg injuries. It's just it, it happens. Reckless. When you play with reckless abandon, you're going to get injured. Yeah, and even I mean, Iverson made it through so many things, but and the same thing scares me about Ty. You know, yeah, he was smaller than both of those guys. Yeah, you know, I mean, and he's. Just, you know, Iverson was freakish. You can't copy Iverson. He was just—he is who he was. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the East? If we jump, if we jump to the oh. East, is there is there anything besides? Is, is it going to shock you if it's not Indiana, Miami? Like, do you think it's Indiana, Miami battling it out there? I would not be surprised if Brooklyn makes it. Really? Why does everybody like Brooklyn so much? Like, they are playing probably the best ball in the Eastern Conference right now. They're only, I mean, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Like, I don't know. To me, it's... Yeah, but look at Indiana and uh, Miami's record the last 10. Yeah, they've been bad. 4-6 <laughs> and 5-5. <laughs> and five and five. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, I guess Brooklyn's playing okay. I mean, Charlotte's 8-2 and two in their last... I don't know. I, a lot of people like Brooklyn. I just don't think, you know, no Robin Lopez or Brooke Lopez. I don't know. To me, they're not scary. I mean, Paul Pierce and Garnett they're old, but I got to tell you, they haven't exactly been taxed this year. Yeah. And I, if they get in the right series with Miami or Indy, the problem they've run into with Miami, or that they that they would to me run into with Miami, is what George Carl always wanted to do, which is play small and play fast. And against Brooklyn, if you do that, you should be able to beat them. You should be able to outrun them and and get them into all sorts of trouble. Yeah. But you know, can you do that against them? Can you turn up the pace in that series? That that should be interesting. I was very impressed with the Jason Kidd's evolution as a coach as the years went on. As I mean, the year went you, on. Do you think they beat Chicago though? I mean, a four five matchup that's going to yes. go Chicago with home floor. That's going to be tough, man. Yes, because I don't believe Chicago has the offense to to, to overcome it. But Brooklyn doesn't have a great high scoring offense either. And they also got good defense too. It's going to be a. 78 to 81. That's going to be a slog. (laughs) People are going to be turning off their sets all over the country. Yeah, that's going to be, it's not going to (laughs) be, unless you're a a big time NBA fan, you're probably not watching much of that. In 19, in uh, in 2004, 2005, I remember Paul Pierce led Boston Celtics, uh, coached by uh, uh, last game O'Brien. I forgot his first name. Yeah. He. Ken O'Brien? Ken O'Brien. Was that the quarterback for the Jets? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he... He's kind of bald, had some gray streaks on the sides. Yeah, he... They they played a playoff game that I believe was like 55 to 60 or something like that with another team. That was the most dreadful thing Uh, I've ever seen. This could approach that. This could approach that bad. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Thibs is going to have like... You know his entire starting unit playing all fifty minutes of a game, and it's going to go to overtime, and he's going to play them through overtime. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we see uh, how far do you see? Do you see Toronto doing much in the playoffs? They may maybe match up against Washington. And I'll ask you this question too: Washington and Charlotte both hovering around 43, 42 wins. Do they have any nineteen ninety four Denver Nuggets esque playoff upsets in them? Charlotte would probably be facing. Miami, <laughs> Washington, going against Toronto. No. <laughs> I don't mind Washington. Like, Nene. Is Val, Nene injured Val Harrington's still? healthy. I think he's coming back. And then John Wall. I don't know. Washington's got Martel Webster. 
I think they have a, a chance to at least win one series, if not. Did you just list Martell Webster as a factor? Yes. <laughs> I believe in him. I believe in Webster. He's good. He's good. But, I mean, obviously the the West to me is the more interesting matchups, the more chances for upsets. But, I don't know, maybe we'll see some good series in the East, too. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it just. Toronto looking... and Washington in the playoffs? Who the hell would have picked that at the beginning of the year? Charlotte. Matching up as a 3-6. Who would have thought picked Charlotte? And Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte's been fun. That's a that's a team that they I are kind of very uh, and probably the best defensive team next to Chicago. Crazy. Uh, they're good. So who do you pick in the East? Indiana, Miami. Still think. I'm gonna go with. Uh, could be Brooklyn, Miami. Brooklyn could easily take out Indy, right? Yeah, I, I could see that. Indy struggled. I still really think if, it's, if it's Brooklyn and Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think Miami sweeps them. Yeah, but uh, Brooklyn's won all four games against them this year. But, I mean, you're going through, Brooklyn's going to have to make it through probably, what, 13 or 14 games before they get a crack at Miami. I mean, their series aren't going to, they're not going to sweep anybody. No. It's going to be a dogfight if they make it two rounds, so then you've got to figure. Oh, oh, the East is going to be a bloodbath. You know, is Garnett's, where it's going to be. Garnett's going to be playing 42 minutes a night. Uh, yeah. Pierce is going to have to play He's going to be glowering at people. <laughs> That's what he does. He just glowers at people. Karolinko, it's going to be bad, man. I, I Listen, I, I'm going to spend all my time watching the West Series. <laughs> East can go screw itself. So are you going to watch uh, any other sports? Are you going to watch any of the Avalanche? At the risk of being yelled at by various Avalanche fans who may be listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> I have no interest in hockey, so I I've kind I, of been seeing uh, Terry Fry's taking up this uh, media bandwagon rhetoric on Twitter. I kind of talked to, to Terry out. about that a little, <laughs> and it's primarily focused on uh, the the media's preoccupation with the Broncos. He has the same kind of thing with the Nuggets too. I mean, you know, especially with the Andre Miller thing. It's like how the Andre Miller thing was allowed to go on yeah, for that, so long. That seemed to eat at him <laughs> a little bit. And so I think that that's part of it. I mean. Um, I was kind of hoping Terry was going to throw me a copy of uh, his book, the Oregon basketball book. When he was, yeah. we were down at practice one day, and he was kind of digging through his bag, and he was like, "Oh, here, I, I'm writing this book," and I'm like, "Oh, he's about to hand me like a early edition copy of this book. Like, this is going to be great." That didn't happen. It was a book. It was a promo for his book, but I mean, I, I need to pay for it. We got to, we got to get Terry on here. Terry has got some fantastic stories about Denver sports. There's a lot of a lot of local guys I still that we need to get on here. I need we got to have Blake Olson on here. I mean, yeah. I, I remember for years thinking that Blake Olson was this kind of goofy guy during Nuggets broadcasts. He's the best, and he's got the best stories of yeah. you know, covering the Cowboys, yeah. the Mavericks, covering like, the Mavericks. Some of his stories about covering the Mavericks are amazing. I mean, he was around during Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson. He had plenty of press conference dinners with Jerry Jones, where you know Jones lays out this elaborate meal. And I don't know. There's a lot of guys. I want, I still kind of want to get Melvin Hunt on here too, the Nuggets yeah. assistant coach. I mean. If there's anybody better to talk to in basketball, it's it's hard to imagine anybody besides He's Melvin. He's great to talk to. He is fantastic to talk to. And we still we still haven't gotten Brian Shaw. We probably need to try to figure out a time yeah. to to steal old B Shaw away at some point. Yeah, I know. So. Say, hey, Baldy, <laughs> come on, come on the old podcast. Get that freshly trimmed head, <laughs> that freshly shaved head in here. <laughs> 
and listen to us yell at you. And then the only thing that I'm worried about with Shaw is that it's going to turn into like a three-hour podcast. Yeah, he he doesn't need an edit button. He's a talker, <laughs> which is cool. You know, it's funny. I like him, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, Nugget season's wrapping up, man. Tomorrow, last last game of the year. Man, it's felt like I, I told this to Brady Hall of KFK Eighth thirteen ten up in Greeley. I said this. The season has felt like it's dragged on, but also flown by. Yeah, it's it's been unique because we're not used to this shit. I mean, stuff. Um, it's just Mozgov's back on the floor. By the way, Nuggets losing forty two thirty, but Mozgov does not have a torn ACL. It appears good, positive, good, good. Brian Shaw's wearing a checkered gray jacket. Yeah, this is not the first time he's worn that one. I don't know what I think about that. It's like he's like channeling uh, Jack Ramsey. It is old, old thing. I did ask him towards the beginning of the year. I was like, how do you go about getting suits? And he says that they actually get to pick like all these freaking suits. Really? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Maybe we'll ask him that if we get him on here yeah, one day. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we can twist Tim Gelt's arm. to. You, the listener, have been privy it. to the... Colorado Sports Guy's brainstorming session about how we're going to do... Uh, how we're going to trick people into coming on this podcast. And we might have, might have a future one coming up with a certain Nuggets GM to uh, yeah. pick his brain on things that happen this season and that uh, may go on this offseason. So. Not his nose, his brain. Yes, yes, pick his brain. All right, Jeff, well, man, I think that's it. I think it is. I don't know if we talked about anything of note on this thing, but it's over. So that's the most important it is. part. Yeah, and I think most people listening will have the same feeling. So... Um, yeah. Thanks to Andy for coming on. Uh, and uh, we were at Jake's Food and Spirits, two for one on Tuesdays. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be back here May 20th. Denver Stiffs playoff watch party plus. Can Denver get lucky enough to score a top three Go pick? Go top three pick. If you have, like, a rabbit's foot, a lucky ant, some but- something that may work, bring it to Jake's with you. Start stroking that foot. Stroke the foot. We'll see you guys next week. Okay.